0: Don't put me on the clock yet but when I was just a pup I was going to my grandparents' church we'd go to one grandpa's church on Sunday morning and the other grandpa's church on Sunday night and uh, I was going to the church there and um, the preacher he would always let me ring the bell you had one of them old bells in the middle of a sanctuary you know how it when boy he'd let me ring that that was great let every young and ring the bell thank God for it and um, One day, after the service was over, he laid his Bible down and he said, son, I want you to stand on my Bible. And I looked at my daddy like, my daddy taught me you don't stand, put your old dirty feet on the word of God. And I looked at him like, daddy, is he kidding? He said, go ahead, son, it'll be all right. And I said, yes, sir. And I stepped up on the word of God. He said, son, if you'll stand on it when when you're young, it'll carry you when you're old. And Here I am all these years later Still remembering that old man of God Standing there in the pulpit Preaching to us And letting me stand when the service was over On his Bible Didn't know that one day I'd be a preacher myself And have the opportunity to stand before a congregation But his words still ring to, true If you'll stand on this When you're young It'll carry you when you're old Amen. Amen, Amen. Alright if you have your Bibles tonight the book of Nehemiah is on our heart, chapter number 8. The book of Nehemiah, chapter number 8 tonight. Nehemiah, chapter 8. I know you've stood and sat and stood and sat, but we're going to stand for the reading of God's word one more time as we've reverenced the reading of God's word tonight. Nehemiah, chapter number 8. I want to begin reading in the very first verse. And all the people gathered themselves together, as one man, into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from the morning until midday, when the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him, Mathathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and on his left hand, Padiah, Mishael, Malkiah, Hashem, Hashbanana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's why you're standing tonight. The people stood in reverence to the word of God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. We'll stop reading right there. Father, we thank you tonight for the word of God. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us tonight, Paul, to share the word. And I pray, God, you'd preach us tonight, Father, empty us of self, cleanse us of sin, and help us, God, to preach about a wonderful Savior. Fill us with your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing tonight. You may be seated. Now there could be no doubt that Israel is God's chosen people and much of the Old Testament centers around the relationship that God has with Israel as a nation. And God's people were to know Him and they were to reverence Him and they were to present Him to the entire civilized world. Yet Israel, they disgraced God and they disobeyed God and they rebelled against God. And I'm not going to take the time to read out of Deuteronomy chapter 28 of all the curses that are there. But God said if we don't honor his word and and serve him and we're disobedient, that he'll put all the curses that are found in this book, he'll put them upon each and every one. A dangerous, fearful thing. Now, we come to Nehemiah's day, and because of Israel's sin, God has risen up heathen nations to bring judgment into their lives. And God said he would do that. And I dare say that's happening in our land right now. That God is delivering us over right now to to tormentors in in a way of judgment. And and we could talk about all that happened in Nehemiah's life. But when I look in verse number 1 of this chapter, it will be the title of the message. It says, bring the book. Bring the book. Here's Nehemiah and the people of God. They're carried away into captivity by Babylon. They were there for 70 years in captivity. And we know that God raised up Cyrus, king of Persia. The Medes and the Persians invaded Babylon and defeated Babylon. And Cyrus stood up and said that the Jews, 2 million of them, you can go back home to your native land. But only 49,000 and some were faithful enough to leave Babylon. They were happy there. They made it their home, happy in captivity, happy in affliction, happy and with opposition around their life. I'm not happy about affliction. I'm not happy about things that, that caused me to be captive. But they had such a normal life there that only 49,000 out of millions were willing to come back home. Because when they came back home to Jerusalem, for 70 years they've been gone. The fields are now covered in briars and trees and the enemies live there and they've got to drive the enemies out again and they've got to reclaim the land and they didn't want to go through all that work in the wilderness and the desert area to reclaim what was theirs. And I'm telling you, if you're not careful, you'll do the very same thing. Anyway, 49,000 people came home. They began to rebuild the walls of the temple. First, they poured the foundation They dug it out, and they started making a foundation. And the Bible says that the young men rejoiced, but the old men, they cried. They looked back at the way it used to be, the glory of the temple, before it got destroyed. And and they were remembering back, which that, listen, some of us that's a little older, and we look back to the old and golden days and how great it used to be, you discourage young people. When you go back to how great it used to be, and it's not that way now, because they are happy and excited to see what God is doing now. And you sit there and say, well, this just pales to what it used to be in my day. You're discouraging the young people. You ought to just get in there with them, amen, and just rejoice with them. I believe some of those old men cried tears because they were just happy to see the foundation being laid again. But as the workers started to work, they started having opposition, and they got so discouraged, the work began to stop. Nehemiah is one of the Jews that did not come home. Nehemiah was serving as the king's cupbearer back in Persia. He has uh, li- uh, the opportunity to live in the palace. He has a lap of the life of luxury uh, to, to him. All he has to do is taste the king's food to make sure he's not going to be assassinated which is a dangerous job but, but, but it's the job that he was given and he was always happy and encouragement. And one day Some of the Jews had come into the land where Nehemiah was and he said, how are things back in Jerusalem? The 49,000 went back, how are things going? He said, let me tell you, things are not too good. The gates are burned with fire. The walls are broken down. Things do not look too good. And the Bible says that Nehemiah, when he heard the condition of the homeland, he was broken. He was crushed. Man, when we look around and see the condition of our land today, I love this country, but it breaks my heart what I see, what I know is going on around us. When I know what it once was and what it once stood for, just in the day and age in which I lived, I'm telling you, it breaks my heart. And Nehemiah began to pray and seek God's face, and God laid a burden on him. He just dumped that burden right in his lap, and he said, you go and do something about it. Don't you know Nehemiah was probably praying, God, send somebody. Send somebody to rebuild those walls. Send somebody to go down there and rebuild those gates. And send somebody that cares. And God said, what about you? Nehemiah thought, well, yeah, what about me? But I've got a job here. I report to the king, and and I just don't get vacation. I don't have enough time. And, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And he stands before the king, and he breathes a prayer, and he says, King, I'm requesting a leave of absence. I want to go home to my homeland. I want to check on things there. And the Bible tells us that the king said, you go ahead and go, son. I see you've got a sad countenance. You're never sad. You go ahead and go. And do you need anything? Do you need any money? Do you need any horses? Do you need any materials? Do you need any supplies? And he gave him every bit of what he needed. What about how good God is to us? Where God calls us to do something, he will supply. You can trust him and count on him, amen. And Nehemiah, when he got there, he heard all the discouragement. He seen the opposition. He saw the walls that were broken down and the gates were burned. And and he saw, I mean, the Bible says that he had a horse or a beast that he was riding. And it was so bad, his beast couldn't even get through the city. It's how bad it was. So Nehemiah rounds up all the people. He starts encouraging them, seeking God's face and praying. And man, they got to work. And as they started building, the enemy came. And the enemy said, come down here and have a meet with us. You can't do this. You're looking to rebel. You're looking to break away from the Persian rulership that's around here. And Nehemiah said, oh, no, I'm too busy to come down to you. I'm not going to listen to your slander. I'm not going to listen to your lies. God has called me to do a great work. And in 52 days, they scattered the people out all the way around the city, and they went to work. They rebuilt 11 of the 12 gates. One of the gates didn't need to be rebuilt at all. It was the water gate. That represents the word of God. Honey, the word of God does not need to have any fixing. It needs no repair. Amen. They rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the gates, eleven of them, had them all up in 52 days. And now everything is done. I'm telling you, they're excited. There ought to be much enthusiasm. They ought to be excited to death. The Jews have returned home. The temple's rebuilt. The walls are reconstructed. But they're stale. There's no enthusiasm. There's no fire. There's no zeal. There's no excitement for what God is doing. They're, i tell you what, what it is. They're caught up in what they lost. In the years they lost. And, and the materials that they lost. They're filled with apathy and indifference and they cannot get motivated and they're weary with a great discouragement. And the world around them was anti-God and here they were trying to serve God. And they've had a time of reconstruction. I want to say they need a time of reinstruction. They need to be reminded of the God who brought them out of captivity. They need to be reminded of their holy calling and what God has called them to do and what God can do for them. They need to be reminded again of what God is going to do in their lives. Amen. And they, listen, they've got little joy, no jubilance, no motivation, no resolve. They've lost every bit of it. Let me say this tonight and I'm going to preach. Joy is not based on a clean bill of health. Joy is not based on your finances clearing up. Joy is not based on an absence of problems. Joy is based on the relationship that we have with God. It's a deep, settled peace that no matter what problems surround me, I know that my God still reigns. I take time out and say, thank God He does. I'm glad He's still on the throne. There's nothing tonight too hard my God. Number one tonight, I want us to see the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says that all the people, how many people were there? 49,000? 50,000? Maybe just a little under or over that number? But all the people gathered themselves together as one man. All the people. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. As the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. We ought to exhort one another. We ought to encourage each other. So where do they gather? They gather in the street that was before the water gate. That's the only gate that they did not repair. It represents the Word of God. And hear me, there's just something... That you get when you gather together with God's people, there's a blessing. You can't get it online. It's good to have the ability to go online, but you can't get online what you get from being here. Can I get a witness? Amen. Amen. There's just something about being together. There's a joy, a fellowship, a peace. I can't explain it what happens here. But these people, they're gathering and they've got a great hunger. Watch this. They've got a hunger for the word. Look, they they, they spake unto Ezra. Ezra led one of those first groups back. They spake to Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. This is what they said. They said, Ezra, man of God, bring the book. Preach to us. Read us the word of God. Instruct us. Give us guidance from the scriptures. Now Ezra, who had been there in the region of Jerusalem for some time, Lord help me find this verse in Ezra chapter 7, preceding book. In Ezra chapter 7, when Ezra, he is a man of God, and the Bible says in Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10 that Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord And to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. The request of the people was, man of God, bring the book. I told you this morning, whatever you do when you come back tonight, bring the book. Amen. Hey, it's good to put it on the screen. Thank God for it. But I'd rather you have the book, your own personal copy. Bring the book, God's precious infallible, inerrant, inspired word. We're going to preach from it. We're going to teach it. We're going to try to live by it, amen. So the people have resolved. They're asking for that which is trustworthy. They're asking for that which is reliable. Hear me, I want to hear, hear me for a second. They told the man of God, bring the book. They did not say, bring us your opinion. I don't want to get in the pulpit and give you my opinion. But I can tell you when church is over tonight, I have one. You might not care for it, but I have one. You may argue against my opinion. I have a view politically. I have a view socially. I have a view morally. I have a view on a lot of things. And if you want to spend some time with me after the service is over, I could give you some of my views. And you may say, Preacher, Darren, I argue with your view. Yeah, that's why I don't give you my opinion in the pulpit. I preach to you the Word. When I preach to you the Word, it's right. My opinion may not be right, but amen, the Word of God is right. You can't argue it. You can't debate it, amen. The Word of God is perfect. It's pure. It's preeminent, amen. Thank God tonight, it's precious to us. They said, man of God, bring the book. Don't bring us your opinion. Don't bring us your political ideas. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth. More than my necessary food, Joshua. Listen, to this. The word success is. We always want to be a success. Send the word of God one time. Listen, to this. Joshua one eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have. Good success. You want to have success? It's in the Word of God one time. It's found right here. When you read the Word of God and live by its teaching and its principles. Isaiah said, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God shall stand forever. Isaiah said, So shall my Word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. John said, now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Do you have a hunger for the word? Ezra, the man of God, came and he read in their hearing the word of God. A little boy asked his daddy. He said uh, uh, that they had a big Bible up front. He said, Daddy... Is that God's book? He said, well, yes, of course it is, son. He said, Daddy, then we ought to send it back because we never use it anymore. Hello. Number two, there is the revealing of the word. Ezra, the Bible says in verse 2, that he brought the law. And verse number 3, he read therein. So he's reading the word of God with its eternal precepts. He's reading it to every person. They didn't have a nursery department. He's reading it to every person that has hearing. Somebody's going to get mad at me, but I believe it like this. When when I was a little kid growing up, my mom and daddy ate with me at the same table. We ate the same meal together. We didn't get pulled off to the side and do all these things. I understand size of churches may matter. But I'm telling you, I'm glad I go to a place where I don't care how little you are or how big you are, we can all eat the same Word of God from the same table. Amen. Amen. And it's good for all of us. Amen. The Bible said he's standing before this congregation with all they could hear, with understanding. It's on the first day of the seventh month. Now, look with me in verse 3 a little closer. He read therein, before the street that was before the water gate, from morning until midday. He read from morning, that's 6 a.m., till midday, that's 12. They had, y'all listen to me? He had a six hour service. Six hours. They didn't have to get up and go to the bathroom. They stood right there and they stood, hear me. They stood, didn't see it, for six hours to hear the reading of the word of God. Listen, it's getting a little quieter now, isn't it? Preachers, this is one of them six-hour services. You're setting it up pretty well, amen? It's just amazing that a kid, you can put him on a video game, and he'll not move a muscle for six hours. But you get him under the reading of the Word of God, and he's wiggling in six minutes. Got to get to the bathroom, amen? Got to get out. America's problem is we've gotten away from the Word of God. And I want to say this tonight, that the strength of a church is in proportion to the number of people that are reading the word. Can I say that again? The strength of a church. Is directly. Proportional to the amount of people. That are reading the word of God. Paul. Wrote in 1 Timothy 4.13. Writing to Timothy. He said. Give attention. To reading. Preacher, I want you to look at it. Turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, that went over like a lead balloon, so you're going to have to see it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13. This is what Paul is writing to young Timothy, which is good advice written to any one of us. 1 Timothy 4, 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. What's he telling him? Son, you need to be reading The law, the text, the scriptures, you need to be paying special attention to reading the Word of God. We need to be reading it every day. Amen, that's exactly right. So if Paul told Timothy that, Preacher Darren's telling you that. We need to be reading each and every day of our lives the Word of God. Back to Nehemiah, we see an elevated pulpit. The Bible says that he stood upon a pulpit of wood. This message is to be elevated. And verse 5, he took the word of God and he opened the book in the sight of all the people. And just when he did, the Bible says all the people stood up. As soon as he opened the book, they all stood up to attention. They all began to pay respect, amen, to what was going on. He's beginning to read the word of God. Look in verse number 4. You're seeing, I believe it is, six people on his right hand and seven people on his left hand. Counting Ezra, there's a total of 14 men. And These 14 men are there, and as they stand there, they're going to pay close attention to what's being read, that they may expound the Word of God to the 49,000 or 52,000 or ever how many thousand were there, that they could teach them and communicate to them the Word of God. I thought that was interesting. Now, that's why it's vital that our sound systems work correctly so I don't need 14 people up here helping translate and get it all out so that everybody hears what we're saying, amen? So I appreciate what our men do back there. Look with me in verse 6. He, he stood up above the people. He's in the pulpit. They're upstanding. He's standing reading the Word of God. And the Bible says, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. He wasn't bragging on himself. He wasn't sitting here polishing his degrees. He was blessing the name of God, the Alpha and the Omega, the Almighty God of all glory, Creator God. He's making much of the Lord God Almighty. And when he does, the Bible says, all the people answered, amen, amen. That means so let it be. Well, hallelujah. You realize that your amens are very important, amen. Now, he's expounding the Word of God. So he's revealing, he's teaching, he's preaching the Word of God. Revealing the Word. Number three, I want us to see the reverence for the Word. We've already talked about their receptive attitude. They were attentive to the book of the law. They stood to their feet. You see their respectful actions. It's amazing. We stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. We stand for the national anthem. We stand for a bride walking down the aisle. We stand for an honorable judge. But you go to some churches nowadays, they'll not stand for the word of God. How much more holy is the word of God than an honorable judge or a bride walking down the aisle way or standing for the national anthem? How much more holy is the word of God? Amen. Hey, the word is even more precious than his name. It's everything that he is. Are you with me tonight? Amen. I want you to see... The responsive amens. Now we're here, amen, amen, with the lifting up of their hands and the bowing down of their heads, they begin to worship God. Now listen, I remember one time as a young man, I think I was about 16 years old, and God began to convict me to say amen to the preacher man. While the preacher was preaching, if he was preaching truth and preaching it right, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I want you to say amen. i I'd just been saved four years. Say amen. I thought everybody's going to freak out. I say amen. The preacher's preaching, all of a sudden I went, amen. Probably at the worst time it could be said, and everybody turned to look about, who said that? And then the next thing I knew, some of them started saying, well, man, if he's saying amen, we ought to be hollering amen. And, man, we broke out in the service, Amen. 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 Because we're encouraging the man of God, and we're agreeing with what he's saying. Now just imagine that a visitor comes in and they've walked in here and they're looking around at this crazy place and they've heard y'all sing and seen y'all anoint people with oil and seen you lay down here and wallow and cry and, and they're looking at this place with one eye, and they're thinking a side eye and they're thinking what in the world's this people doing and the preacher gets up here and he gets all lathered up and he gets excited and he's, he's hooping and hollering and leather-lunged and spirit-filled and, and, and if everybody's dead and quiet then that visitor's gonna think that's a crazy man up there. He ain't told nobody the truth because ain't nobody agreed with him. But if you'll sit in a service, and hey, when the man of God's preaching truth, and you get behind him and say, amen, amen, and a visitor sits there and says, man, this place is alive. This, this place believes in what he's preaching, amen. And I, I think I better start fighting me. I'm either going to fall under conviction and get right amen or I'm going to have to get out of here and be more wrong amen I just want to say that your amens are welcome and your amens are needed and your amens are praiseworthy not to me but to the God of all glory and I challenge you you may be 16 years of age but it's about high time you stood back and said "Amen." amen I'm looking at one right there it's probably 15 amen We'll get to the ball games over here. And we'll holler. No, that's a fail. No, shoot, Duncan, help us. But we'll get in church. It ought to be louder here than it is over there. Amen. You know what our young people? I'm glad I grew up in a church that was alive. And we had adults that were supporting the preacher and supporting the preaching. Of God's word. And they taught me. Amen. And this scripture just comes alive. lifting up hands. Praising him. Amen. Giving him glory. Hallelujah. Put your hands up. Amen. Well, means praise the Lord. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Well, you're just giving honor to the Lord God. Voltaire, that, that French philosopher, he said in a hundred years, there'll never be another Bible. Voltaire's dead and gone but I still got the book. Somebody bring me the book. Amen. The book's still around tonight, amen. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, verse number 89. So we see a reverence for the word of God. I want to say fourth, oh, I don't know what number we're on. I've lost count. There's, listen, there is also, look with me, a response to the word. Now, he began to read it. The Bible says in verse 7, you have Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akbud, Shab- I don't know what these mothers were thinking when they named these boys this name, but, Amen. But, but they stood up, and the Levites too, and they caused the people to understand the law. So a, they didn't have a big sound system. So back in there, somebody said, what do you say? I'll tell you what he said. And, and they would help cause people to have understanding back in the crowd. They were the Sunday school department. They were leaders in the church that was helping other, other people to understand what Ezra is a-preaching and, and standing up there telling the people about. Amen? And the Bible says they read the book of the law distinctly and they gave sense and caused them to understand the reading. Now we get verse number 9. What is the response to the word? Nehemiah, which is the Tirshatha? he's a leader, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, And the Levites that taught the people and said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of this law. What was their response to the preaching? What was their response to the reading of the word of God? Conviction. Conviction. I believe it was Jacob. That came to a place called Bethel. And he laid his head down on a stone. And he saw a ladder reaching up into heaven. And the angels were ascending and descending on it. And when he woke up, he was troubled. And he said, this is a dreadful place. He's under conviction. God trying to get a hold of that boy's life. Amen. That, That cheater, that supplanter. May I say, the house of God is not a comfortable place for you to come into. Well, preacher, the temperature ought to be set on 68 degrees and ought to have padded pews and ought to just get sit back and enjoy and, and then you get up there and you start preaching that Bible and all of a sudden my heart starts getting bent out of shape and you start telling me what I've been doing all week was wrong and I don't want to hear it. I want to go somewhere else that makes me comfortable. You go ahead, but not me. I want to go to heaven. And for me to go, I must admit that I'm a sinner and that He's the Savior. And for me to find out what a sinner I am, I've got to have faith. Cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Thank God for a preacher that was spirit-filled, that preached to me, who did not quit, who stood up faithfully and opened the book, brought it that night, and challenged me from the Scriptures. And the Holy Ghost, honey, got a hold of it and began to translate and tell me, how wrong I was, and how right Jesus is. And I got saved. I want to I flip the pulpit. I got saved, saved, saved. I'm on my way to heaven tonight. Amen. Somebody bring me the book, amen. The book will make an impact in their lives. And it may be since you got saved, you've been living for God all these years, and then the preacher gets up and says, you're not reading your Bible the way you used to. What? What? How dare you, preacher? Accuse me, I'm not reading my Bible as I should. But the Holy Ghost is right. When he says, you're not reading it like you used to. You're not loving it like you used to. I'd gone to preach revival. Brother Tony Fowler was the pastor there. I preached revival. We had some saved. When the service was over, I think I told you all this. When the service was over, I sat down on the front row. Brother Tony got up to dismiss the service. I had my Bible. said, I want you to look at another scripture. And uh, had my Bible and I opened it back up. And a little brown-headed, freckle faced boy was sitting by, uh, beside me, had been outside riding his bicycle, had sweat all over him, that had dried with dirt and dust. And his clothes were tattered and torn. His hair was greasy and unkempt. And I slid my Bible over beside him. And he looked at my Bible, and it's this very Bible. And back then it was a lot newer. I hadn't been preaching long. And he started rubbing its golden pages like this. And started rubbing, putting his hand on these pages. And he felt how thin or thick it was. And looked and seen red words and, and black words. And, and he looked back up, up, up at me. And, and, and God spoke to me and said, Why don't you appreciate my word like that little boy? I mean, he don't even know me. And you're my preacher. And look how he cherishes and caresses my word. Look how he values the writing that's on these pages. What happened to you, preacher? That you don't read it, and you don't cherish it, and you don't kiss it, and you don't love on it, and read from the love letter God wrote to us the way you used to. And I was about ready to dive bomb into the altar. And the little boy slid my Bible back over. He said, Mister, I got to go. He landed in the altar. He said, I said, I need to be saved. And he landed in the altar. And I looked up at Brother Tony and he said, Go get him. I looked down there and I went up there to him. And that little boy said, Preacher, I need to be what you said, them other people got saved. I don't I'm not saved. I'm not saved. And I'm telling you, honey, he got saved when we opened the book. And here you are, you've been saved all these years. And your preacher's trying to encourage you to preach or or to encourage you to read the Word of God, trying to encourage you to love and to cherish the Word of God and trying to get you to say amen when you ought to say amen and lift up your hands and praise God and show people there's life to this thing, amen. And it's just all you can do, amen, to holler back, amen. I'm just telling you, the Word of God will make an impact. On your life, amen. I'm almost done, I promise. Then then in verse number 10, look at this. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now I do believe in weeping and repenting and getting right. But then after you get right, there ought to be peace. There ought to be a presence. There ought to be a a stir in your step. There ought to be a shout in your soul. I remember the night I got saved. Man, they, they drove me home. I was in that back seat. I don't remember a red light. I don't remember a stop sign. I just remember going home and said I want to call Grandma. And I picked up the phone to call her 60 miles away. I said, Grandma, guess what happened to me tonight? She said, Yes, son, you've gotten saved. There was no Internet. There was no Twitter. There was no Instagram, Snapface, or Snapchat or whatever y'all call it, amen. And somehow the news had made it back to Grandma's house. I said, Grandma, how'd you know? She said, Honey. I've been, poo- I've been praying for you for a while and tonight me and the Lord had church and he said he is going to save you and I was waiting on you to call me. She believed the word of God. <laughs> she believed its promises and its precepts, amen. And it was tried, tested, and proven, amen. TTP was written in her Bible, thank God for it. Hear me tonight. Some of us, we've been, are you saved? Some of us, we come in sad. We sing sad. We give sad. We go to the altar sad. We get up sad. And we leave sad. We just sad. I just want to say this to you. Are you a Sadducee? Nehemiah and Ezra went back to them people when they was weeping and crying and when they started repenting even getting right with God he said let me tell you something now the joy of the Lord is your strength eat the fat some of y'all cutting the fat off throwing it in the trash can he said eat the fat and drink the sweet now's the time of celebration now's the time of well here's another point thank you for that Lord a time of rejoicing the word of God when you're reading it It'll cause you to rejoice. It'll show you where you're wrong. It'll help you to get right, amen. And it'll cause you to be having cheer in your life and rejoicing in your life, amen. And you'll get to clapping and you'll get to raising your hands and praising Him and shouting. Glory to God. (laughs) Amen. Woo. Verse 11. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, Hold your peace. For this day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Amen. Skip down to verse 17. And all the congregation, I'm trying to just quit, all the congregation of them that were come again out of the captivity made booths and sat under the booths. For since the days of Joshua the son of Nun, unto that day, had not the children of Israel done so. Now I want you to watch this sentence. And they, and there was very great gladness. Woo! <laughs> Is there very great gladness in your soul when the word of God's being declared? Does it, does it give you assurance? Does it give you Peace. To receive guidance and instruction from heaven? What well, does me. There was a father and his two children. They were out swimming off the coast of New Jersey. And they had some of that tide was pulling them out. And they, as they tried to swim, they were going out faster than they could get back in. And the daddy was a good swimmer. And the oldest daughter was. She was 10. The little boy was a weaker swimmer. And he said, honey, you can float on your back all day. He couldn't save both of them. He took his eight-year-old boy, and he swam hard as he could and was able to break that pulling him out and got him to the shore. He was so exhausted and so tired. He said, my daughter's still out there. We've got to go get her. And I'm telling you, there was people went out, and they couldn't find her. They sent out boats. They sent out life rafts. And finally, somebody came across her. Ten years old, four hours later, she is still floating on her back. And they said, honey, aren't you afraid? She said, no, my daddy said I could float all day on my back. And he said that he'd come for me and I'm just doing what he said till he comes to pick me up. God said, you can float on your back all day long on the word of God. You just keep floating, I'll come back. <laughs> I'm going to come get you and take you home at the right time, amen. I know where you are, I know I'll take care of you. Sometimes you feel like that you're just left alone floating. But I'm telling you, honey, you can make it with the Word of God. It'll float you to the top and you're not going to go under, amen, forward, amen. <laughs> I got to say this, there was a wife, she borrowed her husband's car, brand new car, she wrecked it. It didn't hurt her, but it demolished the brand new car. She felt terrible. Oh, she was destroyed. She got out of the car and the police came and the first responders and she's trying to get her insurance information, registration. She reached in the glove compartment and when she pulled the insurance paper out, inside it was a note written by her husband. It said, "Remember, honey, it's you that I love and not this car." He knew there'd be a wreck along the way, I guess. You know what he's telling you? Honey, it's you that I love. <laughs> I already know you're going to have some issues. I already know you're going to have some problems in this life. But it's you that I love. Just go ahead. This is all you're going to need to make it the rest of the way home. My spirit will guide you. I'll be with you. My father and I, we're going to make our abode with you. Amen. Hey, we're all, Lord of God, I feel that stirring in my soul. Amen. Thank God we're going to make it, youngins, by the grace of God through his precious word. Amen. amen. You stand to your feet tonight. There may be somebody here say, you know what, Preacher Darren? I need to start hollering, amen. You know what, Preacher Darren? I need to read the word of God more. Preacher Darren, I pr- will you pray for me that when I read it, that, that the Lord will open it up to me and let me understand. Sometimes I read it and I don't understand. You ever had that trouble? Why don't you just ask him, say, Lord, take your word. And help me to have understanding. Is there anybody you need to come tonight and ask him? Well, I tell you what, I'm going to do it. If you won't, I will, because I need understanding of the Word of God. I need it terrible, amen. It don't always come easy to me either. You have to pray about it and ask God to open it to you. Honey, he wants you to know more than you want to know. He delights for you to know his Word. And he opens it up to you as he wills, amen. Oh, I pray tonight. Bring the book, he says. Somebody get a preacher and bring the book. That's what we need. Father, tonight, Lord, as I bow in your presence, Lord, I bow unworthily, and I I bow undeservedly, but I also bow unashamedly. I'm not ashamed of you, and I'm not ashamed of your word. And Lord, when I read it, I don't always grasp and understand And, Lord, I have to reread and read again and beg and plead. But, God, I pray tonight, face somebody tonight besides myself asking for this. Lord, I pray that you would give us a token of good, that you would give us a nugget of encouragement. When we open your word tonight, Lord, open it to a place that would give us guidance and instruction that we might receive peace or assurance that we might have something to shout about or something to repent over. Lord, you put your finger dead on the place. Bring the book. Lord, tonight I pray that God, you'd cause this church, you'd do it again to be filled, God, with joy and enthusiasm and excitement and bring us past, Lord, our deadness and our sadness. Help us, God, to be encouraged Help us, God, to have joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Lord, help us, God, in this life to enjoy this. Father, I love you tonight. And I pray, God, you'd teach us. Give us wisdom, Lord, that we might be able to instruct your people. And for this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.